going from zero to one is going to be the most important thing for you, right? Because that's you, you start with all the ownership. That's where most failures happen too, is from zero to one. What I want to help people do is like look for websites that are already doing well, that are just under monetized. Alrighty, guys, we are back again with another episode here at the Building Blocks show. Today, I'm joined by a really special guest, James Camp, um, who I actually had the fortune of running into at a house party in uh, Beverly Hills like a few months ago. Um, yeah. And I was like, holy crap, you're much taller in real life. <laughs> um, James is a serial entrepreneur with three exits, and he calls a thousand failures, which I love because no one really talks about the failures. Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, uh, it's, it's interesting when the internet and real life worlds collide. Like you said, we, we ran into each other in this house party in Beverly Hills, and now like, I feel like I actually know you. And so, like, it makes it a lot easier to connect uh, through 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 a Riverside uh, chat. So, thanks for having me, man. Things are so easy to slip in, like text conversations, because you don't get the tone, you don't get the like the intent, and it's like finally getting me. I'm like, damn, this guy's cool. I actually like talking, <laughs> and we just talk for hours. Um, Appreciate but the it. The reason why I want to invite you to my show, and I'm doing the show where I'm interviewing incredible founders, operators, and marketers to break down how they do things and the things that I think you do the best and why I follow you on Twitter was flipping digital properties, which, you know, everyone's like, yeah, I do Facebook ads. I'm an SEO specialist, but no one really talks about flipping digital assets. How would you even think about getting to that place? I mean, so it was really just by chance. I think that like the, when you look at flipping, um, it just comes from the context of like, am I good at marketing, right? Because everyone's like, well, what do you do to flip these websites? You're just market. You're just doing better marketing or better monetization. And so for years, I did um, I did marketing consulting for growth and for monetization stuff. And then I would, and then I spent a little bit of my life playing in mergers and acquisitions. And I looked at what people were doing with these larger private equity rollups and these sort of value added PE deals. And I thought, whoa, this is really an opportunity to do this a, a lot more. The first website I flipped, you know, I didn't think of it as website flipping back then was, uh, I don't know, like 12 or 13 years ago or something like that. I mean, maybe more. Um, it's It just has become really obvious that there's a really good opportunity um, for like flipping these uh, smaller niche content websites um, and then a larger at scale doing some e-commerce stuff as well. And it's just easier to start from like one rather than starting from zero. Like if you, if something has momentum, you could scale up to two. You can scale up to three. Is, is that right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, my thought is this, is like going from zero to one is the largest sort of alpha that you'll gain. If you're looking at equity and you're talking about sort of getting the most out of your equity, going from zero to one is going to be the most important thing for you, right? Because that's you, you start with all the ownership. Candidly, though, that is where when I talk about a thousand failures, it's probably a... a a, a drastic under exaggeration, right? Like, um, is uh, is that you're, that's where most failures happen too? Is from zero to one. And so, if you can take something to your point, momentum, um, it's a lot easier to look at something and say, "Hey, how do we make these small changes and make it better?" Um, than it is to say, "Like, how do we get the momentum from going from nothing?" I think you can apply that to most things in life as well. To be straightforward, oh, absolutely. I've I've always started brands from scratch. Every single brand I've done. <laughs> came from I made the LLC, I made the bank accounts, like that's early. And 
I'll tell you, 99% of them fell. And you know, maybe <laughs> the product wasn't right or the market wasn't right. There just wasn't PMF. But the risk is so high at that zero to one stage that it makes sense to optimize what's working. Um, I, I do want to get a little better understanding of like, how do you approach what properties you look at? Because, sure. you know, like this, this kind of brings me back to like real estate. Like when people are like, I'm going to do a fixer upper um, and, and fix up, what are you looking for? Sure. So I think that the, that the actually approach that I try and teach and preach about is a little bit different than sort of the approach I take myself these days. And that's just because I've had my hands dirty so many times. I'm a little more confident in what I can do for myself or something like you can do. But when you're sort of newer to this, I think you need to be a little less risky. So I did, I bought a, speaking of properties, I bought a house in 2020, like mid pandemic. I had just sold this strategy firm and I was like, I got a little money. Let me be a real estate investor. And I bought this house that was a total tear down, added a floor, added a bedroom, added a deck, added a bathroom, everything, took it down to the studs. And it was the most work of my entire life for the amount of capital that I risked. And it was a total nightmare. Um, and so what I try and preach is that people shouldn't be doing the full teardown flips. And that's the same thing. We're not, I don't talk about buying distressed assets. We're not talking about things that are failing and falling apart. What I want to help people do is like look for websites that are already doing well, that are just under monetized. So in terms of the, the housing, uh, you know, metaphor, we're looking for like great houses in a great neighborhood that need like a fresh coat of paint and maybe need some new appliances. Right. And so instead of saying the house that is dilapidated and we got to tear down to the studs and build from scratch again, because again, like, again, there's more alpha, there's more to gain. Um, but it's just infinitely riskier and infinitely harder unless you're someone like yourself or myself who's been doing, playing in this world for a long time. Um, it's easier to sort of take something that just needs like a, a new coat of paint, like I said, some new appliances. And if we're talking about real estate, raising the cap rate, right? Like raising the rents um, for its costs, uh, against its costs. And, um, and that's sort of what I preach. What are some of the monetization channels that you see a lot of these properties have? And what are some of the things that they're missing? Sure. So I think a lot what I talk about is content websites. Right. Um, and that's just because you as an e-commerce founder can recognize the complexities of scaling an e-commerce brand. And it's just the margins start to make sense at scale, but it's really tough when you're a one person team like and, and doing only a couple thousand dollars a month in revenue in e-com. Um, you're doing fulfillment, shipping, you know, uh, customer service, all the above. But one thing that I realized is a lot of websites that are out there, passion project blogs, things like this, they use the lowest hanging fruit in terms of monetization, which happens to be AdSense. Yeah. Right? Everyone knows Google, everyone knows AdSense. So you place yeah. one line of code on your website and you make money. It's great, it's beautiful, we've all done it. Candidly though, AdSense really is that lowest hanging fruit. And it's, I wanna remind people that it is a broker. They are brokering ads between advertisers and you, a publisher, right? So they're taking like a 40% VIG on that. So there's a great opportunity. I always tell people, you see a website that uses AdSense, Check out something like Mediavine or Ezoic or AdThrive, which are more like ad ops agencies. I call them premium ad networks. They're not. But basically, they set up things called like header bidding. So all these ad networks are bidding against each other for placement on your website. Um, they optimize for you. And then there's a great opportunity with affiliate marketing as well. And that's just going more direct to the advertiser and taking a commission on what you sell. And then I think if you really go at scale, what you're seeing en masse with the big, big, big brands and... Uh, like big private equity deals is uh, is is connecting it to consumer packaged goods possibly, right? And like you have these massive companies and SaaSes that are buying media brands, that are buying these content brands and plugging them in. You know, you saw HubSpot by The Hustle. Um, you know, Equinox has Furthermore, which is their magazine. 
Uh, MedMen, I think, is Ember, which is their, you know, their magazine for the dispensary. So I think owning media, if you can own the back end of it, the back end monetization um, can be massive for everyone from, you know, mom and pops to multi-billion dollar corporations. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing a lot of these media play now. It's with with how restrictive it is to do paid ads, content sites. And I mean, people are always going to be Googling. Um, 100%. But, but there's just so much more competition. So it makes sense to be acquiring these properties to stay top of mind. And and if you're the one buying these things when they're smaller and you're able to flip into selling it to one of these gigantic companies, that's a huge flip. Which brings me to my next question. What is the craziest flip you've seen? doesn't have to be yours, <laughs> but anything that... I, yeah, mind. I can tell you. It's not mine. It's, uh, it's the guys from Rocket Internet. Right. And, um, and they, so for everyone who doesn't know, Rocket Internet is these like three German brothers. They sort of build copycat websites in different uh, markets. And so, the, and I don't want to butcher the story, so anyone can go look it up if they want. But essentially, um, they, eBay had not gone into eBay Germany yet, had not done that market. So eBay, went, so Rocket Internet brothers went and built eBay Germany. And in three months, I think sold it to eBay for $90 million dollars. Oh right. And, so, <laughs> you know, and they, they obviously got it going and got it moving. Right. But then they just went to eBay and sold to them for, I think, 90 million dollars. So my point is, is that like part of the part of this is trying to be a little bit strategic in your for your acquirer, because um, I think that if you can build something really cool or buy something cool, um, there's more upside on the sale. I just I'm working on a consulting agreement now or just on a consulting agreement with a very large venture backed company that is buying Instagram profiles. And they're going to buy up these Instagram profiles and they're not even going to change the Instagram accounts to their accounts. They're going to continue to just keep them completely agnostic of their brand. And conceptually, the idea there is that they just want to start owning the media. They want to start owning the narrative. And so when they, they won't do promoted posts on there, they won't do ad like posts. They will just make sure that the people in the photos are wearing their clothing. Right. And they'll just make sure that very organically, the people in the photos on the Instagram accounts will be wearing their brands. And so like, and they're going to that this perfect example of them owning the back end. So that's a that's not a flip for them, but that's a perfect example of like one person owning something. There's probably someone selling shout outs, making five thousand bucks a month off this Instagram account. And now this billion dollar company is going to buy it and it's going to be worth so much, so much more to them. So anyway, that's a, a little tangential, but I think it's interesting to go along with that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this a lot, um, even back in the day, it's like 2013 when I was really heavy into Instagram, a lot of big companies would buy these as a, a new publication channel like it's their content website and it makes sense for like a company like a designer brand just constantly getting your clothing in front of people's eyes it's more than enough than selling a, a shout out for <laughs> four or five grand like more than enough absolutely um, you know that's sick i love the ebay story and it really shines light onto like how there's so much opportunity in different markets if you just take a concept that works well in America or like in Asia and bring it to Europe. I've seen so many people do that. Um, some really good examples out of China are like brands or um, concepts that work really well in the US. They just made it Chinese <laughs> or they sure. merge it into a super app and they're, they're unicorns. They're unicorns that you've never heard of that are like a Instagram and an Amazon merged together. And sure. you're like, yeah, it works. Um, so something for the viewers of this podcast to listen through is like whenever you think of a business opportunity, whether you buy or you want to build from scratch, if you know that there's a market that needs it outside of where it currently exists, 
there's always an opportunity. I, I'm hearing so much development in Africa. Like no one ever talked sure. about what's happening in Africa or in, in Eastern Europe. So much is getting built right now, but a lot of them do exist out here already. And yeah. you know, the uh -huh. more that's happening in the US, the more you can do it outside. I used to live in Southeast Asia. I used to live in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And I can tell you that there's like a big contingent, like 500 startups, Rocket Internet. There's a big contingent of a lot of venture capital going into Southeast Asia, these massive multi-billion person markets. Like people don't recognize yeah. that like in Indonesia and Malaysia alone, over a billion people, a billion people speak Bahasa. It's a language that most people in the West don't even know exists, right? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of like... Um, uh, like Food Panda, I think, Get, you have all these different things that, are, that come and they take over, they basically copy a U.S. market idea and take it to Southeast Asia and they're blowing up massively, like massively, massively, right. massively. So you're spot on. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that there's like an opportunity. A competition also doesn't scare me at all, not because I'm like such a monster, but because competition like like implies there's a healthy market, <laughs> you know, right. there's like a healthy, you know, product market fit, there's demand. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm agree with everything you just said. Yeah, no, absolutely. The other thing I wanted to ask you about going back to flipping websites is how much do you actually go back into, you know, repaint the house, you know, in the same metaphor, like I buy a website for, let's just say $20,000 uh, at, at that range. Realistically, how much more do you need to put in to make it worthwhile? So the idea conceptually here is to find websites in that range, sort of like, I think that sub 100K, sub 200K, there's a lot of opportunity for people that are just under monetized the website. And by that, I mean, it really is paint. I mean, it's switching an ad network, it's adding an email list, right? Like in terms of like capital, it's more like a little more sweat equity. It's of, of um, in a house, you'd call it like a forced equity, right? Like by putting in the effort into it, um, you create a lot more equity in the back end. And it's not like necessarily a ton of capital. Um, I think there's a business that we're that I that I didn't I don't want to disclose the exact name of because on February 9th, which is like in three days or six days, we close on the sale of it. But that like that one was a great business already working, doing mid six figures a year. That one is like, and the founder stayed on board and I partnered up with him and we sort of rebuilt a bunch of stuff, built new funnels, built everything, you know, like that was a whole different beast. But I think for a lot of stuff that people look at um right now that I talk about, it's it's, I don't know, a couple thousand bucks, a couple hundred bucks, right? You, you know, you could write the content yourself. You could be paying for content. You could build backlinks yourself. You could, you know, um, but in general, it's really not that much stuff. The opportunity is for finding businesses or finding websites that uh, there are like five or six simple fixes that the original founder either overlooked or did not think were worth it right? That can make a two or 3% revenue change. And to them, it doesn't make a massive difference. But if you get a 3% revenue change on six action items, you've now just increased the business by 20%. And that's like very quickly. Um, the long-term growth is a little different and can cost some money and can cost some, you know, if you really want to double, triple the traffic on a website in the long run. But really quick, the concept of what the website flipping stuff I talk about is finding sites that need small, quick changes that in a week or two and maybe 10, 20 hours of effort, you can make those changes and all of a sudden capture a 20, 25% difference in revenue on that website. And then when you flip them, because websites and businesses sell for multiples on revenue, you get to capture a massive multiple on that revenue when you sell it. So I think it's like, that's that's the sort of the concept here is that you, you're not putting in a ton of capital once you buy the website. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And in terms of multiples, how does that differ from DDC? I know for DDC it's like 3X. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So we so we'll we'll take like roughly a three X on the on the business that we're selling right now. Um, 
it gets a little funky because there's like debt on the books and cash on the balance sheet and there's inventory. And that's again, for everyone, like I love e-commerce. It's just a different monster than, than, a, than a niche affiliate website is for sure, for sure. Um, the niche affiliate websites are going to range from like a three X to like a five or six. Um, and that really is going to be dependent on the market is getting sophisticated enough that is dependent on how easy the changes are and how passive it is, right? So when there are websites that come on that are beautiful websites that are fantastic and they just have like no ad or like just have an AdSense ad and it's very clear that you could double or triple the revenue in a day or two, like those sell for higher multiples because the market demands it, right? The market understands that there's enough demand for that and people know what changes they can make to it. Um, I remember I found an old forum post of mine. I'm 33 from when I was like 18 that I had posted on a big internet marketing forum and and it said, hey, you guys, all you have to do, I just sold the website for $5,000. All you have to do is get its revenue up to $500 a month and you can get 10 times the monthly net revenue for it. So to, to give you context, a decade ago, websites were selling for less than a year of monthly net revenue. So it's just sort of mind-blowing how the multiples are rising. I do think that we're seeing currently because of how hot equities markets have been, we're seeing all multiples go higher right now. And that we may end up seeing like a smaller come down if equity markets come down and crypto keeps coming down, where like capital leaves the markets a little bit and 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 multiples get get closer to that like three to four and and pull away from the five six sort of range that I'm seeing it up to. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling everything's super inflated. <laughs> Raw materials, consumer products, gas, and. Uh, everything else on even like the asset side they're just have you seen watches prices I, I look oh. at this chart of a watch I'm like Jesus Christ I could have just bought a couple of those and be you rich know, it's funny because I wanted to I've had a couple wins in the past couple of years where I've been like I'm going to buy myself a nice watch and I just wear a whoop right I don't, I'm not wearing a nice watch but every time I do that I'm like nah that's dumb I don't need that and then I, to your point I look at these charts and I'm like wow if I had just bought if I had just spent the money on that AP or a couple of, of, of Rolexes like it would have been the best investments of my life, you know. So, I, every, and everything wear inflated. it, and I could have worn it. <laughs> it's used prices too, like used prices. I've uh, a little sidetracked, but I saw this guy who bought a Patek for like 20, 30 grand, and it's like ten x. Dude, it's so crazy. <laughs> it's it's, well, I'm sort of hoping. Listen, I would like an I would like a new watch. So let's let's for fingers crossed that the watch market crashes for a little bit, so I can so I can so I can get a nice watch or two. <laughs> let's hope. Let's get you your first watch. Um, fingers. One one last thing I want to ask you because I I know that we talked about what do you look for on a flip, what kind of things you need to do, but how do you get more traffic to those sites, or how do you maintain the leads to it? Because if that dies, nothing else matters, right? Sure. So I think that this goes back to the thing I said early on, which is that a lot about flipping is understanding just marketing and monetization, right? And sort of how do you apply that to whatever website you're looking at? So most of the websites that like I look for or talk about are receiving organic traffic. Um, and that's just because when a website that's monetized by programmatic display advertising, i.e. AdSense, you're gonna have a really hard time running paid traffic to that. I, I've tried. Um, that's why I know a decent amount about programmatic display. I went down this rabbit hole years ago trying to run a traffic arbitrage like a board panda style website or a BuzzFeed where you're just getting people to click through 30 pages so they see so many ads and running Facebook traffic and I lost my shirt and it was a nightmare. I had to build our own ad servers, all this stuff. 
But I learned a lot about that world. So looking for websites with organic traffic, we look for websites that if it's coming from Google, that organic search that is spread apart across lots of pages, like healthy backlink profiles. We're looking at hrefs at stuff like that. But then the other thing to think about is what are the missing traffic opportunities? And so interestingly, in e-com, retention is a major thing. So in e-com, we talk about email flows, Klaviyo flows, all this stuff. Like how do we get people to come back and how do we increase LTV or lifetime value of the customer? With the content websites, people look past that. Normally you are a bridge where someone gets to an advertiser and they never see you again, right? So my thesis has sort of been about building newsletters as well on top of these websites. So in terms of created like aggregated content newsletters, like the hustle, the morning brew or the skim, like if you've got a website about dogs, about pugs, right? Let's say you've got a website, it's all about pugs. Maybe there's an opportunity to build a newsletter about pugs on top of it or an email list. And so if that website's already getting 100,000 unique visitors a month and you capture 2,000 of them into your, into, through your lead magnet, you capture 2% with your lead magnet, you're adding 25,000 email subscribers a year to this newsletter, right? And so that becomes a conduit to get them to keep coming back to the website. The more content you put out, you're linking back to the content, your newsletter, sending them back, getting more ad revenue. Maybe you sell affiliate products. Maybe you sell your own DTC um, dog collars and Frisbees and food or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think that that's sort of one of the major opportunities is looking for websites with organic traffic and then finding a way to retain that organic traffic, whether it be a community or a newsletter or maybe social media profiles that go along with that. But um, I, growing the organic, growing through 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 search, uh, I'm, I'm mediocre at SEO. I mean, I've, I've ranked a lot of stuff. I've been on teams that have ranked amazing, amazing stuff, the people better SEOs than me. But I, I say that to let people know that you don't have to be this phenomenal, you know, Jack, you know, uh, Navy SEAL at SEO to sort of still maintain getting traffic and finding different channels to grow it. Um, I mean, I've grown newsletters and websites to 2 million in revenue and 3 million uniques uh, off of Facebook groups, you know, like, and then getting into Google, uh, getting Google uh, News approved. So anytime we put out anything, we were just on the top of Google for any keyword. So, um, and it was sort of by chance chaos that we got there. Um, so it's, it's doable for everyone is my point. Google News is such a life hack if you're able to get in on it. Oh my yeah. God, just guarantee success. A little um, bit gray hat, but I can tell you that a lot of the stuff about Google News is about how many contributors you have and how many yeah. are writing. And I will tell you that there are people that I had, I mean, we definitely had writers that worked for us, but I also had several pen names on other websites before, right? So Google wants to see that there's lots of people writing and it's, I think lots of authors have, lots of journalists have pen names anyway, where they're writing under under multiple pseudonyms. So it's a, 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 a good little gray hat technique in terms of getting Google News approved. Good call, good call. Um, and on a final thought, what do you see is next for website flipping? I know we talked a little bit about multiple might go down, but like what's next? Do you think there will be a concentration on specific topics like our crypto and NFT content website going to go up. What, what's your read on what's next? So I think for my read on it is what we're seeing is for a long, Google has slowly from my experience uh, is for my, is slowly transitioning from massive authority websites into spreading into like smaller little websites and the way that they're ranking content and giving traffic away. And so it used to be that you had the, and they still crush like Mayo Clinic, WebMD, you know, Wikipedia, these massive authority websites that rank for everything. And that's important. But I'm seeing Google start to give a little bit more juice to smaller niche websites. And so I think in terms of trends, I think we're going to see more opportunity for small websites to do well. And Google start to try and as to, you know, you mentioned sort of 
Web3 and crypto and NFTs, like this is sort of the overarching thesis of society right now. It happens to be about like decentralization. And I think that like we're going to start looking at Google start to say like, okay, these websites that we've traditionally given all the authority to maybe aren't the best um, aren't the best authorities in this space. And then maybe a small niche blog is a better authority in this space. So um, in term, that's where I see from a very macro perspective. In terms of niches, yeah, I'm a firm believer that all ships rise on high tide. Like you should be looking at like crypto, NFT. I think we may see another bear market in the next 12 months. So we may see a, a dip in search volume as well. But I would look at anything that looks like there's a rising TAM, total addressable market, um, and and build content around or buy content in those websites, buy websites uh, that are focused on that kind of content. Um, like for example, I, I'm a firm believer in Web3 and NFTs. I know you are as well, right? Or uh, And so my thought is that like, even if in the next 12 months, we're not going to see something, we may see websites come for sale where people get upset because sort of traffic dies down a little bit. But as long as we believe, which I think you and I do, in the long run that this is continuously bullish and there's going to be more people that are writing about it and reading about it, that like, that's a great opportunity if you want to ride that wave over the next uh, next couple of years. I did this with cannabis in like 2016. We started a, a, a pot stock website. It was focused on cannabis investing. And we just rode that wave and sort of, and then sold that in 2020 along with a whole bunch of other websites and a, and a little bit of a, a consultancy strategy firm. But my point is that like we caught traction there because we just went viral initially for like an article on whether Trump in 2016, that, that election, whether Trump would um, legalize cannabis, right? Because people are starting to search for that in terms of an investing standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, so look for like rising markets, rising TAMs, right? Like what are these, what are the overarching macro trends that you can ride? And I think that essentially, as long as you continue to put out decent content, like all gaming websites are going to keep growing, right? I mean, the, the, you see the yeah. M&A happening with the gaming space. Like, I think there's a massive opportunity there, right? Like it's, so anyway, so that's look at the, I, I, I look for these macro trends that are rising up so that like, even if you're mediocre at your website, as long as you don't screw around, you end up sort of rising with the traffic and the trends and the search volume that and, and interest that exists online today. I appreciate the insight. And I am a big follower of your Twitter. You've just constantly put out bangers. Um, where can we find you, James? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Jameson Camp or James on Camp is how you spell it. Um, <laughs> Uh, or nanoflips.com that's n-a-n-o-f-l-i-p-s.com and yeah man as you know jason i'm just like addicted to twitter essentially so um like i tweet like an obscene obscene amount and yeah. <laughs> uh that's probably the best place to find me for now and and your website your newsletter is just incredible i i'm Thanks, a big follower man. like listen i i'm gonna be real with you i i watch your content i read your content and I follow it. So thank you so much for putting out all these nuggets on this show and continue doing it on your Twitter. Um, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for having me, man. Thank you. You just heard an episode of the Building Blocks podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe below to keep hearing conversations that I have with brilliant marketers, founders, and innovators on how they built their best ideas. Now, if you want to learn how you can turn your best ideas and build something massive out of it, visit my website, bbclass.co or follow my Twitter at agro.